0: You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hello, Tremendous Leadership fans. Welcome to the Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we pull back the curtain of leadership and talk to leaders from all ages and all stages about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. And today, I am so excited because my guest is Nikita Koloff. Hi, Nikita.
1: Hi, Tracy. Great to be with you.
0: Thank you, brother. Let me tell you a little bit about Nikita. Nikita is an eight-time wrestling world champion. He's an academic, all-American in football. He has 28-plus years as a follower of Jesus. He is also host of the It's Time to Man Up podcast, which he had me on as a guest. I was so honored. And the radio broadcast on Truth Radio Network. He's traveled all 50 states, 30 countries. He facilitates five-day men's camp called Man Camp. He conducts a one-day man-up conference. He's ministered in 1,200-plus churches, preaches crusades, revivals, church services, breakfasts, luncheons, dinners, as well as corporate motivational and inspirational talks. He's the author of three books. He has four daughters and nine grandchildren currently, and he enjoys weightlifting, playing golf, and watching college football. Nikita, what an honor to have you on the podcast today.
1: Tracy, it's just an honor to be with you. And, uh, you know, with that introduction, some may be wondering right now, does he ever sleep? But when does he have time to sleep? I actually have someone who me that, dude, when do you sleep? I'm like, oh, I find some time.
0: I love it. Well, that's the way my dad was. He'd pick up the phone at three in the morning. And speaking of that, Nikita was familiar with my father. All right. And Nikita and I have been in a group with two other people. What the past? What, four years, do you think?
1: Yeah, I lose track of time, right? It's yeah. It's been several years for sure.
0: Several years where the four of us, all people of faith, speakers, get together once a month on a Zoom call to just for updates, prayer, praises, connections, you name it. And so we're going to talk a little bit, I'm sure Nikita will hit on, how the importance of that great group of people that have your back and can support you in prayer is really important for the leader. All right, Nikita, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to have you on here. And I love your perspective on leadership. And I'm sure you're going to really be able to give our leaders out there, because Nikita, as you can tell, is tough and he is not afraid to run away from the fight. And leadership, Nikita, is not for the faint of heart. And my father spoke on the topic of leadership often. And one of his speeches that was the most requested was titled The Price of Leadership, where he talks about really the tougher side of leadership, the things you're going to have to pay the price of. And that is what you're going to have to do. And that's why so few people pay it. And there's so few true leaders. So let's get right into it. My father said that one of the first prices that you're going to have to pay to be a true leader is loneliness. So Nikita, can you unpack what does loneliness mean for you as a leader and maybe share a time when you were in it and share a time where you either embraced it or had to conquer it?
1: Great question. I appreciate it. And By the way, you, your dad was appropriately nicknamed Tremendous. I mean, that was definitely he lived up to that nickname. And so... Uh, I know he impacted so many people's lives. And so to the question for one specific time that comes to mind was would have been my freshman year in, in college. And my passion, my desire from a young age, I guess, I don't know. I look back, I, go, I guess God had to have put that in me, wired me with discipline and Just a desire for success, and I come from a very humble background. In that, you know, I I was born and raised in the early years in the what I affectionately call the projects of the ghettos of Minneapolis. But we could see the Minneapolis skyline from our where we live. So I had some very humble beginnings. So it wasn't like I was born successful or born a leader or born with a you might say a silver spoon in my mouth because I was not. And it was at a very young age, around the age of 12, when I picked up a muscle magazine. I got enamored by the pictures and immediately got this idea in my head, you know, this vision that one day I wanted to look like one of those guys. And then I, you know, fell in love with football and again, got a vision for one day, maybe hopefully playing professional football. And so from early on, I'd like to say it was just in me, you know, to, to be a leader. And that became more evident the more I participated in sports and and fast forward to my freshman year in college when in a game up in northern Minnesota, I suffered a what they call a simple fracture, which simply means the bones don't come through the skin. Bones break in half. And so my fibula bone both broke in half. It was a brutal lesson for me. I remember, Tracy... Laying on that football field and it was well over an hour because they never experienced anything like that before. The trainers and nobody knew what to do or how to, how to move me or how to get me off the field. So delayed the game for over an hour. That said, it was a long drive back to Minneapolis, several hours. But I remember laying on that football field thinking this life shattered, dreams shattered. I mean, my hopes in my football career shattered. Thankfully, a dear friend of mine who was our quarterback, Tim Peltier, helped nurse me through that lonely time in the hospital. I ended up spending 17 days in the hospital. Ended up having surgery to help keep the bones together and recover. Those 17 days and that moment, that hour or so on the field was a very lonely time. And then one other thought on that, fast forward to my former high school football coach, who I saw a few months later. And it's interesting how somebody only has to say one thing, and it can do one of two things. It can motivate you or maybe put you into a further depression, right, Mm -hmm. perhaps. But he said to me, I heard about your injury. Sorry to hear that. Nobody ever comes back from an injury like that. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it to him, but I just stared at him. I thought, really, buddy? Really? all right, I'm going to show you and the rest of the world that I can come back. This injury doesn't have to define me. It may be a setback, but it's not going to hold me back. It's just setting me up for a comeback. And that was a very lonely time. I think he shouldn't
0: quit his job as a motivational speaker, his day job, (laughs) because to say that, but I don't know, you know, who knows why people say it. But in the end, you heard it and took it. And I love that you really took a different spin on loneliness because there are going to be times in our careers where number one, the calling kind of makes you off to the side because other people are like, oh boy, they've got the calling. So I love that you shared that as a young person, you got that calling and you knew you were kind of going to be different. But I love that you talk about the actual physical loneliness. And a lot of times leaders will think about that in terms of, well, I'm making this decision and I may not be the most popular, like from a professional decision. But you actually, there are going to be times where you may get sick. Or removed, where we literally can't show up. You know, we're dealing with that health challenges. You were, and I appreciate you sharing that because that is really tough. Anybody that's been an athlete, I had a niece that was a dancer, and when she suffered an injury, it was terrible because she could not go with the group again and stay in the collective and practice. So I really appreciate that's a very interesting and and sometimes those things, if you're in a car wreck or whatever, it just takes time to heal, and that's tough as a leader because. You don't want to be away from your group.
1: Well, well, you don't. You want to be out there engaged and, and from a business perspective. I know, obviously, you're, the majority of your audience is tuning in from and looking at things from a more practical, you might say, more business perspective. And mm-hmm. I will just touch on that by saying, you hit on something saying, you know, you're going to make some decisions that are sometimes not very popular. And, and I've had to make that even in ministry. In fact, recently, you know, you mentioned in the introduction a five-day catalyst. It's called Man Camp. And one of the things we encourage guys to do is put their phones away. Boy, is that a challenge to get a guy to lay his phone down and not just for five hours, but for five days. Think about that. Detach from your phone for five days. Well, in this last camp we did, I not only had to call out the guys who were there, you know, for the camp pursuing the heart of God, three times I had to address the phones because they it was becoming a distraction and disruptive for the other guys who were there. But even my staff guys, I had to do an iron sharpening iron, Proverbs 27, 17. <laughs> One man sharpens it, another, you know, and even call a couple of those guys out. And so you sometimes do have to make decisions that are not popular that then. And it's been said, as you know very well, Tracy, You know, it's very lonely at the top, right? Mm -hmm. The old expression goes. And that is true. And for me, I've just learned, I think through that example I just gave at a younger age, it's helped me as I climbed the ladder of success, even in professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. Now, listen, that can be a very lonely business as well, because in the days, in the era in which I was in anyway, I mean, it was a very cutthroat, backstabbing business because everybody wanted to get to that pinnacle. Everyone wanted to have that world championship belt. So they might say or do anything to undercut you to get your position to get to the top. Even in that realm, you know, as a world champion, there was a level of loneliness even in that realm as well.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I know you say it's business, but we're all probably on our fourth, fifth, you know, sixth, seventh careers. At constantly unfolding. And you do have to watch yourself physically. Even now, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to be sitting on the ground with kids playing with dogs and teaching till I'm 60. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it is lonely to realize there's also kind of looking back at some things that maybe you could do when you were younger that you cannot. So even though that's more of a, we talk more business thing, it is lonely not being able to maybe be as active and as robust as as you were before, but it's all part of the game. And that kind of brings us to our next topic, Nikita, which is weariness. And weariness is one of those things you can go to the bed really tired and feel good about it. Your pet hits the pillow and you fall asleep before. And then there are nights where you can toss and turn all night. There's different kinds of weariness. How do you combat weariness? I know a lot of people talk about health. I'm sure you're really going to hit on that. But how as a leader do you combat the world that runs you down and stay on top of the game?
1: Well, I experienced weariness just this morning. as (laughs) Because I woke up and I'm like, you know, I knew I had this interview and and I had a number of other things on my agenda on my list today. And I'm like, man, I do not want to go to the gym early. (laughs) I am tired. I am weary. And again, I guess going back to the early days and just the drive, determination, the desire that's deep within me, I got out of bed. I went down to the gym this morning. I worked out and glad I did. Listen, there's been many, many times I have felt weary and not felt like going to the gym over 50 years of lifting. So I've been working out consistently in the gym for 50 years now. And in business, when I think about putting on my business hat, you know, depending on what your workload is, how much you try to do yourself. In other words, are you a micromanager or are you a macro? You know, can you delegate responsibility? And well, again, I go back to the camp and I delegate responsibility. I've learned over the years to delegate responsibility to my staff at camp, not try to do it all myself. And even if they don't do it perfect or the way I would do it, I'm okay with that. I really am. If I have to mop something up, (laughs) I'll do it. But it's been a process of learning to delegate duties so that I don't wear myself out or burn out. I just had a friend, quick story, Kirk Talley, came to camp, 39 years of college football coach, mostly small level coaching, Christian colleges. And he reached out to me just a few weeks ago and he goes, I resigned. I mean, it's mid-season, right? He's like, I resigned. I'm like, you okay? He goes, I'm weary. I'm burnt out. I said, bro, you need to come to camp for five days and just get refreshed. Just come and just sit. You don't have to do nothing. Just receive. And he did that. So there are times we need to do that, Tracy. We need to just draw away, pull away, whether it's a day or two or a weekend. In my world, it's called a sabbatical. And I did that earlier this year, right in mid-year. I did a 21-day sabbatical well, I just pulled away and, you know, had fun, but I also rested my mind, rested my body, recharged my spirit, man. And I think it's important to overcome weariness to do that on a regular, consistent basis.
0: Uh huh. So when you did your sabbatical, did you still answer emails? Unpack this because I am feeling the lure of just taking a month down after 13 years of running this just a month off. How, how do you do that? How do you push certain things off your plate?
1: It's just a decision. That's not to say I just set my phone aside for 21 okay. days. I mean, but, but, I did. I mean,
0: Right. Yeah. From the creative aspect or reaching out, you just kind of, you know, let yourself have space to just kind of rest.
1: I did well because I have a pretty heavy travel schedule. Yes, you do. If I was doing any traveling during that time, it was recreational. It wasn't okay. business related. It wasn't ministry related. It was fun stuff. I was doing fun stuff. I was sleeping in, I I was not concerned about how early I got to bed so I could get a good night's sleep or watched a couple old school movies, you know, from the 30s and 40s and 50s. I just did stuff that I didn't have to constantly think, okay, where do I have to go tomorrow? What do I have to do tomorrow? You know, that sort of thing.
0: Well, and I love that you brought up that one of your individuals in your team tapped out and said, I'm done. That's really good for the leaders listening out there. If you're on teams, I know... Even an association that I was recently on, we had a meeting and one of the people was like, I'm done. I'm out. Can't do it anymore. And eventually we unpacked it and it was weariness. They were burnt and they were fried with all the stuff going on. So we had to just kind of take it back and go, okay, now let's see what is the issue and come back together. But that's really wise. Watch your people. Some of us can handle a frenetic pace. My father, you know, my dad just could run like, And other people would be like falling out of the platoon march, like I cannot keep this pace. So it's just important to really watch people. And weariness is a psychological thing, you know, because most of us aren't like huge professional athletes. So it's up here in the head. And so you just got to get in and say, okay, what is it? But it will suck and deplete your soul. And so it's very important to watch that.
1: Well, and I would just tag one thing onto that. I 100% agree with that. When you say it's it's up here in the head, it's mental. I like to say that, you know, our camp revolves around First Thessalonians 5.23, being whole in spirit, soul, and body. Mm. When I say whole, I'm talking about being healthy, being healthy spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. And I like to say this, the way God created our bodies, it may start in the mind and you get mentally exhausted or tired. But the long and short of it, if you don't learn how to rest mentally, emotionally, it will affect your physical body. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it will affect your spirit, man, because they're all interconnected. You can't separate those three out. They're all interconnected. And so the key word for me, Tracy, is balance. And I'm still learning. I'm not there, but I'm learning to balance how to be physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually balanced to where I don't burn out and I don't overburden myself that I get to that place where Kirk was, where he's like, I'm done. I'm tapping out.
0: I love it. And just to recap, because you know how I love these alliterations, you said deep drive combats weariness. Okay. So if you're tired, you probably are getting a little scope creep or vision drift. And we're going to talk about that later. So get back to it and delegating duties. Uh, We're still physical creatures, but none of us is meant to do any of this alone. I don't care if God called you to be, you know, the next John the Baptizer. You can't do it without people and the right people there. We're not
1: Superman or Wonder Woman, and even John the Baptizer had disciples.
0: Exactly, Jesus. Yeah, superman, not Superman. Wonder Woman, not you know, because it's so it's kind of this collective thing.
1: Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely, working together. And you're right. Uh One last thought. Yes. You're right. I mean, God didn't create us. You know, no man is an island unto himself, as the expression goes. Right. I mean, there's certain times. You know, Jesus drew away to pray to the Father, but even then, he's communicating with the Father. Right. So right. We, he was never really isolated, you might say. Which is these last twenty or so months, in my view, been nothing more than an attack on humanity to drive humanity into the grave.
0: You got that right. Because none of this is meant to go like this. Okay. Loneliness, weariness. The next thing he talked about is abandonment. And typically abandonment gets, it's a negative word. You know, I have fear of abandonment. You abandon your animals. You know, I have, I love my animals. But my dad's point was you have to abandon what you like and want to think about in favor of what you ought and need to think about. So in this sense, it's almost this real hyper-focus because- I would look at him as a little girl and be like, you're so successful. And he's like, Tracy, I do more in a day to contribute to my failure than my success. And I'm like, what? And he would go back to this and he's like, every day you have to capture this. How do you, Nikita, with probably the 50 million people that call you or get you and you're in different buckets of things, your sports background, your celebrity, your fan signings, your Christian basis, your writing, your grandfather, how do you stay focused and sending your energy on what you need to?
1: That's really good. In fact, that's that's good. I've never really thought about abandonment in that aspect of it because like many people, I think of my mom comes to mind immediately who, you know, my dad left when I was three. So I had no male role models or mentors until really the seventh grade. Bill Burke was my first. And I know she spent most of her life. uh, And even with her own mom, she was handed off to her aunt to be raised. And so she struggled really her entire life with abandonment, as you're talking about in the negative sense. I love how your dad put a positive spin on it, thinking about, you know, Hey, there's certain things in my life I need to abandon. I don't need to do some of those things because they're not going to, they're not going to be productive. They're not going to help me be successful. I need to release those things and let them go. So that is a great positive perspective to way to look at things, and for me, I guess that leads right into answering the question by saying, "I don't know if I say by nature, but I have at least developed and call myself like the eternal optimist, right I mean, you can bring me as dark a cloud as you want to bring somehow some way I'm going to try my best to find a silver lining in that cloud, and so it really for me, it's a state of mind in that no matter how negative the situation, no matter how dire it might look. I'm going to find a way to speak an encouraging word, whether to myself or to someone else. And one thing that helps me a lot is the word of God, declaring God's word over my life. I'm very encouraged through scripture, scripture reading, and then back to the word balance. I'm a very goal-oriented guy and a very structured guy, right? I know there's a lot of people who are just like spontaneous. They're like, hey, let's go to the mountains today. I'm not that guy. Now, that's not to say I can't go to the mountains today, but I prefer to have it on my calendar, you know, a week ago, a month ago. Oh, I'm going to the mountains today. And so, again, there's balance there in looking at my calendar, setting goals at the beginning of every year, and then having a structure to my life to know who all am I going to see today, what all am I going to do today. And last note, I like to say this, Tracy – I give the Lord the opportunity to call an audible. Now, if there's any, if you've got sports fans out there, they might know what I mean by that. The quarterback comes up to the line and coach typically gives him the option if he doesn't like the play or what he sees to change it and call an audible. And so I've learned every day to let the Lord, If if, even though I have structure and things on my to-do list, that God can call an audible and it can change on a dime.
0: I love that. I love that. Well, I don't know if you know this, but my dad also was abandoned. His mom walked out on them when he was mm-hmm. a little boy, all five of them. And so he struggled with that. And I think part of that was where he was so intense on abandonment because he came from such got thrown out of school, a flunked out of school. I'm sorry. the poverty, abandonment. As a child, the trifecta of I'm worthless. He had to abandon that mindset. And like you, like his faith, realize, but I'm worthy in Christ. I'm completely whole and loved. And, you know, you hear me talk a lot about the chosen. That's kind of one of the main themes, you know, only the sick need a healer. And once you're healed, you're healed. You don't have to keep going back to the doctor. And so I know a lot of us, I too, abandonment is one of my triggers. And so every day I have to very much really put all that stuff back and say that. But your nature is something that really you can work on. I love that you look at things and go, yeah. But the good can happen. And I also tell people, hey, just pray that none of the stuff sticks to you. I don't know. I got a lot of people are very sensitive. And I am sensitive, but when negative stuff comes, it's almost like God gave me this force field where it hits me and then I'm like, ooh, I kind of even forget about it. It's an awesome spiritual thing where I'm just like, hey, I can't dwell on that. I do remember it and I try and capture those thoughts and and throw them out. So I love that you saw that from a young age that There's things you just have to push out. And abandonment is really, you hit the nail on the head. It's habits. It's habits. And so you got to stop doing the stuff that you think you should be doing or you think somebody else wants you to do or the easy stuff in favor of the hard stuff, which is obviously what
1: you've mastered. And I think one other thought as Jean is that I think ties into all of this, all the things we've already talked about, and is one of the things I've been fortunate to have. I call him a battle buddy right, a battle buddy, a close peer that I can relate to, Mm. open up to, be transparent and honest with, uh, that can help me through anything I'm struggling with, whether it's loneliness or weariness or abandonment or anything else. And when I look at Jesus and what he modeled, I view it this way. He had an inner circle. He had an inner circle. He had Peter, James, and John So those three were engaged and involved in more than the others and things he did, right? Like my devotion this morning, the Mount of Transfiguration, they were there, right? Right. And then he had what I call an outer circle. So then there were the other nine disciples. So three who were close and tight with him, nine others that he was teaching. And then there's, I call it the rest of the crowd, right? And whether that's, a you know, being engaged in a church or you know, corporate worship or, you know, that sort of thing. Or or in business, you own your own business and you got 100 employees, but you might have a smaller group that are your leaders or managers or whatever. And then even perhaps smaller group that you might lean on and confide in for the success of the business, uh, perhaps. So...
0: No, not perhaps. I mean, that's one of my favorite leadership uh, constructs is LMX, which is the in-group and the out-group. A lot of scholars are like, well, that's mean, you shouldn't put people in the out-group. And I'm like, come on, guys, you have your core people. You marry one person. You don't marry 10 legally, you right. know what I'm saying? Because there's just that one person right. that you're in a unique relationship with. And so I think for the listeners, that's really wise. And whenever I'm kind of going through stuff, my, my husband will say to me, okay, who's pouring into you? That's where he's talking about the battle buddies or the advocates who really want your success and just even to be there to listen, because there's a lot of things you don't want to tell your spouse. You cannot tell your employees. You maybe even don't even want to share with your small group Bible study. You know, you just need that battle buddy to, like you said, iron sharpens iron and just somebody alongside to help orient you and guide you towards better, more clarifying thinking.
1: Yeah. And accountability.
0: Absolutely. And that's like our group. We get together once a month, not a lot of time, but enough to know that we're going to be checking in and getting updates and sharing the good, sharing the bad, sharing the ugly, all that good stuff. So excellent. Absolutely. Okay. So loneliness, weariness, abandonment. And then the last topic my dad talked about in the price of leadership is vision. And uh, I think sometimes we get this, well, it's so esoteric or so out there, fuzzy, you know, big, hairy, audacious goal. It's like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do today. How can I get there? But my dad always said vision was just seeing what needs to be done and doing it. Very touchy, very, the plumbing, very pragmatic. How do you, Nikita, continue to hone your vision? I've watched you over the years do it, but how do you get those vision clarifiers and how do you keep tweaking your vision?
1: So it's a great question. And this is something, again, that I've just kind of learned over the years. It kind of ties into goal setting and Typically, at the end of each year, I'll take some time away, and it might be a couple, three days that I'll take some time away. Back a couple different years, I went up to this place called Quiet Reflections. Well, that's a great name, isn't it? Quiet Reflections. It's up at the mountains, I was going to say Minnesota, mountains of North Carolina. And there are probably other places named that, but, I mean, it overlooks this whole valley. It's got a chapel they built with all glass. I mean, it just looks out the, from Florida, the peak of the ceiling is just Total glass. Anyway, and a little tiny cabin that's right next to it. And and so for me, each year, I spend some quality time, again, drawing away and just seeing if the Lord will give me clarity on what the next year looks like. And I like to kind of joke and say he doesn't have to show me the whole picture, but if he'll just give me a glimpse right. in the direction he wants uh, me to go I love and that. what he wants me to do. And so I try to be very sensitive to his leading, his guiding, and on a practical sense, you know, I'm probably not going to say anything that the leaders uh, tuning in to your podcast don't already know, but repetition is the first law of learning, right? So it doesn't hurt to hear something over and over and over again. I have had in the past literal vision boards, you know, that complete with pictures and, again, tying into some of the goals or some of the things that I wanted to accomplish And then I plan, do, and review. So I plan it and typically I'll go do it and then I'll review it, whether that's on a day to day basis, a week to week, month to month, or year to year basis. And like at the end of this year, I'll look back. And by the way, I meet with my pastor once a month. He's one of my battle buddies and share, you know, at the beginning of the year, I said, Jay, here's my goals for 2021. Here's what I feel the Lord guiding me, leading me, directing me to do. And so here they are. And so I have them kind of handed him that list. And then what I'll do at the end of the year is I'll look back and say, okay, how many goals did I hit? How many things did I actually accomplish? You know, did I surpass what I had there? And it is kind of fuzzy and, you know, that whole visionary part of it. Mm -hmm. But that said, those practical things are what helps me fulfill what I believe is the mandate or the call on my personal life. So that when I stand before him one day, he'll say, "Well done, you know that good and faithful servant." If that does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Um, and it's like going through fog, Nikita. I mean, I don't see it all, and I love that you said sometimes a glimpse. I've never got the big picture, and we're not. Life is a mystery. God is a mystery. There's certain things that we're just supposed to be in wonderment and walk by faith. And it's like going through the fog. I can kind of see if the clouds breaking, and I know that's the way I want to go. Versus it's darker back here. So sometimes. I don't want people to think that, oh my gosh, we see it before we go. 100% of the time, it's just a sense. It's a calling. And you're just operating on faith to go forward towards what looks to you. And then, of course, you make tweaks. And I love that vision is a very tangible thing. It's not something you just put up on the wall, on your I love me wall, and just sit back and go, look at that vision. It's dirty. It's dog eared. It's crossed out. It's like the well worn Bible. It's not just sitting up there all pretty. People that have books and they don't like mark them all up. My books are all scribbled. I mean, and people are like, oh, and I'm like, but I love them. And I look back at these underlines and these tear stains and stuff. And that's really what your your vision is.
1: Well, and I don't want to say this too, because this just popped up as well as, again, go back to the Bible as a foundation for life, you know, the manual for living. I mean, God talked about vision in there. You know, there's different translations that say, you know, without a vision, my people perish or, you know, without having some direction in your life you know, people will fade away into the sunset and or he even talks about it in the last days, last days, old men will dream dreams, young men will see visions. And so we do know even from a spiritual sense that God will give, you know, certain individuals an actual vision, they may wake up in the middle of the night with an idea for a widget, right. whatever, right, or something to do, you know, re- involving their business or, you know, or their personal life or whatever. So we do know from scripture that God does impart vision to certain individuals. I have a friend that's in their mind, they can see the you know pictures and things. I'm not that guy. I've never been that guy. So I just have to rely on how I sense the Lord leading me and what to do. And then like I think many guys I do have to sometimes see it up there on the board in order for it to make sense to sure. me where others can just see it, you know, in their minds. So there's that aspect that that element of this as well, right?
0: Absolutely. And and that's good to know. And I think most of our leaders know because they're seasoned leaders. It's whatever works for you, you know, kind of thing. Yes. All right. Okay. So Nikita, thank you so much. We've covered loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. I want to open it up now about leadership. I want you to tell our listeners about your man camps and your man up podcast and what that means because that is all about leadership,
1: friend. Well, it is a number of years ago. I say dating back to 2006, the Lord really impressed it upon my heart to begin to, to minister to men. And of course, you know, my wrestling background, you know, you mentioned in the opening, the world championships and the things that I've been able to accomplish, you know, in sports and then translate that into business in raising others up you know, I mentioned my staff at Man Camp and other ministry that I've been involved in was not to just be the guy. I mean, I've always looked at raising up other facilitators, raising up other ministry leaders on the team so that it didn't just center around me. In fact, if I were to walk away, you know, the ministry could continue on, Mm -hmm. you know, even without me because I've set those people in place. So, you know, it's not just been about me becoming a leader and I'm reminded of that old expression, you know, I said it to a young man just the other day we bought one of the books at the church I was speaking at. And I said, now you gotta read that. And I said, you know, I gave him the cult, readers are leaders. So if you want to be a leader, you gotta become a reader, young man. You know, so I really challenged him on that. But I have again learned over the years to focus on raising up others into positions of leadership, and then being able to step back, Tracy, and there is a sense of fulfillment mm. in watching them operate and knowing that I no longer have to do it all or just lean on me, right? So that said, the conference and the camp. So 2006, a little really impressive in my heart to start reaching out to more and, more and more men because I think it's no secret over the last couple, three, four decades, masculinity and manhood have been under attack. And so we need men in the homes to be godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers, but not be a dictator, but be a servant leader. Key words, servant leader, to lead by example. And so whether it's the one day man of conference we do where we kind of give them a a taste of the camp or the full five-day camp and training, teaching, equipping, and empowering men and then deploying them, sending them home, hopefully now having given been given those tools to walk it out and be that leader in their home. And so that's what Man Camp and the Man Up Conference, the Man Up podcast, which I think you officially were the first woman for the it's time to man up. Tracy Joe, tremendous Tracy, first woman on. I mean, I had husbands and wives on there, but the first full podcast of a woman on it. So that was awesome. It's great to get a woman's perspective on the Man Up podcast. And so all that to say, the goal and everything I'm doing now, and I'm in the process of putting together a Man Up TV show, a Man Up version of the radio show. But it all centers around challenging men to Man Up, walk in their God-given role mm-hmm. as a leader but as a servant leader.
0: And that is a beautiful topic. And Nikita, so can, people can go to the one-day conference and then hear more about the five-day one, right?
1: Yes. Okay. I like to say the man-up conference, uh, I usually doing local churches and local communities. You know, was just in Aiken, South Carolina, I'll be in the Toledo, Ohio area, I'll be in Newark, Delaware, and Kentucky. So churches will bring me into their local community you know, we facilitate that in the local church on a Saturday. I usually stay over to preach on Sunday. And But at the conference, they'll get, I call it the appetizer. So in, in several hours, they're going to get a lot of information and training and teaching. But it's just the tip of the iceberg that if, if they see value in the conference, then they're going to want to give a serious thought to, uh, I call it, deep diving and coming to the camp and really going after this.
0: Well, and I just, we talk about leadership and what's going on in the world. And if people aren't fulfilling their ordained roles, and I mean, I, as a little girl, I was the only girl in my neighborhood, my only girl in Sunday school. I went to military school. So the importance of, and why am I, did I get downtrodden? No, I got lifted up by men. And so for our men out there, connect with Nikita, Because we women, what we learn from you, what you do for us, where you have our backs and stuff like that. And there's bad men, there's bad women, there's bad everything. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, I just, I'm so thankful for what you're doing in leadership, because I think some people are really tentative about, I'm not sure what this role is. This role is the role it's always been intended to be. And the reason why we see a lot of entities like the home and businesses and oh my gosh, she's ridiculous ethics violations and lying and just, you know, no backbone, no nothing is because we're, we're tearing down the roles and letting people get off the hook with, no, you're not supposed to be that you're not supposed to stand up. You're not supposed to have a backbone. You're not supposed to speak up, you know, truth and love. It's not the love part they're fighting. It's the truth part. And so I'm so thankful that you were really pushing that and having me on the show. That was really exciting.
1: No, that's awesome. You know, sometimes I say this, there's only one perfect man, Jesus. We're all imperfect people. and We live in a fallen, broken world. But that's not to say that we can't embrace these things, even like what we're talking about today, and make it a better place. That's where we're salt and light and we bring hope, whether it's in, you know, behind closed doors in a family setting or out there in the business world where I'm sure, you know, many of your audience, they're out there in the marketplace, out there in the world. And let's just be determined to make a positive difference in a very negative world.
0: I love it. Beautiful, brother. Okay, well, Nikita, how can our listeners get a hold of you? Because I'm sure a lot of them want to connect.
1: I call it kind of a one-stop shop. The easiest way to connect with me is just www.koloff.net, K-O-L-O-F-F, .koloff www.koloff.net. On that website, you can learn more about the books you referenced uh, that I've written. There's a link to the Man Up podcast is right there. There's a link To the man camp, for those who maybe want to learn more about the camp, or if there's a pastor that maybe wants to, or is interested in bringing me into his community, can email me right through that website. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they can actually link and connect to me right through social media, all on that one website.
0: Excellent. And for our listeners out there, we'll have this all in the show notes. Nikita is somebody you're definitely going to have in your tribe of tremendous people. And I love it if you've got an organization and you want to bring him in as a speaker, he's the one that you're going to want to do. I love it. Well, Nikita, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom on what it pay the price of leadership. I know our listeners got a lot out of it. I got my page of notes, as I always do. Thank you, brother, for blessing so many.
1: Well, and in return, let me just say on the record publicly that being a part of those calls every month and you being a part of them, you bringing a woman's perspective has been nothing short of a blessing in and of itself. So thank you for having me on and thank you for being a part of those calls. You're a tremendous blessing, Tracy. Right
0: back at you, Nikita. You're (laughs) tremendous too. I love it. And for our listeners out there, thank you so much for being part of our tremendous tribe. If you like what you heard, please be sure and hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode of Leaders on Leadership. Also, we'd love the honor of a five-star review and leave us a note. It'll get to us and we answer all of our comments. Be sure and connect with Nikita at his links and be sure and go over to TremendousLeadership.com and hit the subscribe to our newsletter button where you get two weeks of free eBooks. What can be more tremendous than that? Podcast and free books, right? The people you meet and the books you read. So everybody out there, Thanks so much for paying the price of leadership. Keep up the good fight. We're right there with you and have a tremendous rest of the day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com.